Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com, and definitely check out those shows as well. I hope you'll all check out the all-new Zibby Mag, Z-I-B-B-Y-M-A-G, the literary lifestyle destination with essays, book news, a lit lifestyle feature, and even some classes. Check it out, zibbymag.com. Claire Massoud is the author of A Dream Life. She's also the author of many other books, including the best-selling novels, The Emperor's Children, which by the way, I read and loved, The Woman Upstairs, also read that, and The Burning Girl. She lives with her family in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and teaches at Harvard University. You may have heard of it. All proceeds from the publication of her new novel, A Dream Life, go to WIRES, an Australian wildlife rescue organization. 
Welcome, Claire. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss a dream life and your whole life and Emperor's Children and everything else. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Zibby, for having me. It's great to be here. I was so excited when this new book came out because I read The Emperor's Children with my book group before I did any of this stuff, when I was just like a hardcore reader, which is what I usually was. (laughs) But I remember that so well and just having the book next to my bed for so long and delving so deep into those characters. And I remember scenes in my head. And anyway, so I was very excited when when your new book came out, especially because it's not not even a fraction as long as the last book. Uh, well, there, there have been a couple of books in between, but this this one, you know, this one is short. And in fact, you know, it does say, I think they call it a novel, but but in my mind, it was a novella. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in the novella. I, I, I you know, I don't know uh, if, if you are, as I am a fan of Alice Monroe, the short story writer, and and she always or she certainly at once one time said, you know, I I I pity novelists because I I fit everything I want to say into 30 pages, which sort of, you know, seems the ideal. I mean, the novella is a bit longer than that, but I feel like how great if you can say, if you can fit a whole novel into a, a story, wonderful, you know. So as a reader, I really love a, 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 a kind of shorter form. I do. I was actually just talking last night. I did uh, an event with Annabelle Moynihan who wrote uh, Nora Goes Off Script. And she said her first draft of that was 90 pages. And she told all her writer friends, she's like, I wrote my novel, it's done. It's 90 pages. And they're like, that's not a novel. And she's like, and then she said she went and bought The Bridges of Madison County and was like, that's 90 pages too. And everybody read that book and that was a book. So, you know. Right. I feel like, who gets to decide? What's a novel? What's not a novel? What's, you know, I mean, I... I think that about about all sorts of categories that seem to me more about publishers trying to reach readers rather than about the things themselves, you know. Yes. Also, you know, nobody has time these days for anything, right? It's like if we're going to argue for reading, which I am, and then how great to have a shorter a shorter alternative which is just as impactful. Like who who's to say that's least less valuable? Yeah, right. like I think it's probably more, it might fit in more with your lifestyle. So anyway, if it's right. a, if it's reading and it's a story and it's a connection, I, you know, labels aside. Whatever. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And I mean, you know, it's, it's like, is, is a meal better if it's bigger? I mean, yes. <laughs> no, not, I'm necessarily, not necessarily, but no, 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 I'm kidding. It, no. it really depends. It's true. No, it's not always better. No, especially lunch. I don't like big lunches, but anyway. Okay, well, why don't you talk about where this particular novella, novel, whatever we want to call it, sort of came from and like why write this now and your general... So, so, so the sort of extraordinary thing is that I didn't write this now. So oh, okay. I didn't. I So I, about 20 years ago, I published a, a, a book of novellas and there were two novellas in that book. And, and in my mind, there were going to be three. And then I had given this to, to someone to read, to a, a writer who was, you know, older and more established and who was very nice. And, but he said, it has no plot, you know, it's it, not enough happens. And so then I was ashamed of it and I didn't show it to my, edit, I didn't show it to my agent. I didn't show it to my editor. I put it in a drawer. And and what happened, which I, I, I find sort of serendipitous is that a couple of years ago, Gemma Burrell, who set up Tableau Tales, and I had met her because she used to run the Sydney Writers Festival. And she had invited me to attend that now, like eight years ago. But she wrote and she said, I'm doing this thing. You wouldn't happen to have a shortish novel. Uh, like, who has a shortish novel? And uh, in the drawer, I was like, 
but 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 she said my hope is that it will that people will be willing to do this as and donate the proceeds to charity and for me suddenly i hadn't i mean she was in australia right and i had this novella in a drawer or novel in a drawer that that was set in australia and i was like that that's what are the odds? Yeah. <laughs> what are the odds? And and I said, well, listen, see what you think. You may feel as my as as my friend did that it all those years ago that it doesn't have enough plot or whatever. But if you'd like it, I I would love to give it. You know, for this for this venture and for the and the proceeds all go to saving wildlife. You know, to the Wires Rescue. So the it's it's a an organization that saves wildlife from the wildfires in Australia, which are really. Wow bad scene. So there is, I mean, I think there is for me this funny thing that it isn't of just now, but it's still, when I took it out of the drawer and read it, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm still, you know, I still believe in this. I still have my heart in this. And, and that's in part because it's, I think, um, based a little on my childhood. So, so it's trying to imagine what it was like for my mother as a, as a sort of, you know, stay at home mom in the early seventies. And, and in, in that time, Many, many a wife and mom packed up and went where her husband's job took them and had to begin again. And I think for my mother to be told, and now we're moving to Australia, was really like, what? You know, that's 50 years ago, basically. It was, it really seemed far away. You couldn't, you know, the telephone calls were difficult. Travel was very lengthy and expensive. So it really was, I mean, it wasn't quite like 1800 setting off on a sailing ship, but it was really a, a huge move. And, and, and I would, you know, that's what I was trying to imagine was what was that like for, for not, I mean, it's a fictional character. It's not my mom, but for somebody like that, you know, to be leaving behind everything they knew and all the context, all the sort of threads that make you who you are or that you believe make you who you are, the connections and the friendships and the, you know, the deli that you know, and the, you know, and the post office that you use and the doctor who's been your doctor since you're 18, like all those things vanish and, and you're beginning again. And, and, and in this case, she, she sort of gets caught up in a, in inventing a persona that isn't necessarily that close to who she might otherwise be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like travel in the quote olden days, I mean, it was like you were off the grid completely, no matter where you were. Like I, we would go away for spring break and I would be like, I can't wait to reunite with my friends. And I would get off the airplane and run to the closest payphone and like call them from the payphone. Like, why couldn't I have just called them from wherever I was? But I don't know. There was something about like being home and then you could be in touch again. And when you were gone, so sometimes I'm even like, well, I can't get in touch with so-and-so because I know she's traveling to Italy. And then I'm like, she's probably checking her email like every two seconds anyway. But there's still that lingering like oh she's away so do you still have that totally totally I mean it's true anytime a friend leaves the country I'm like well I'll text her when she gets back exactly exactly she still has has cell service in Sweden I mean come on I know it's exactly the same it's like yeah I can't seem to let that one go but your character I mean she also has this massive house to take care of like they move into this beautiful place that is really hard for her to manage herself. And she has two, two kids, right? Okay. I read this a little bit ago. She has two kids and she has this massive house and she's trying to find like a, a house cleaner and like randomly recruits this young girl who's like, doesn't know what she's doing either. And, you know, it's also sort of the trappings of privilege doesn't always make it so great. Like you think from the outside, maybe that having this massive, beautiful house is so perfect. And yet she can't seem to, she can't, it's overwhelming. She can't manage it. She can't keep it clean. She can't. And so she's, she's really stressed out. And yet 
to others, it looks like the perfect life. And I, I love that peek inside to say like, you know, it's nothing is just exactly what it seems. You know, you don't know what's going on inside anyone's house. Totally, totally. And I, and I also think, I mean, for me in my head, the part of the story was that the people she comes to know best or encounter most are the people she's employing to help her. Right. right? Yeah. Like it's actually, she's building this kind of fortress around herself of, you know, there's the, the house comes with a gardener. They have to employ oh, the yeah. gardener and she doesn't really get on with the gardener so well. And then like as part of her husband's job, she has to give parties. So there's a caterer. Right. Oh yeah. The tent, with the caterer. tent. They and were the like finding Yes. And the caterer is super bossy. The caterer is like, you're going to do this. And the gardener's bossy. Like, and then she hires this housekeeper to live in who she thinks, wow, this one, she's great. She's going to be my friend. And then, and they, and they are friends, but, but that woman's totally her own weird person. And, 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 and I think for me in my head, that woman whose name is Simone, right. She, she's living much more the life she wants. Like she's living yeah. life on her own terms, <laughs> not necessarily fully straightforward terms, but she's, yeah. she's totally living then, life on her own terms. And But she leaves soon too, didn't she? Didn't yes. she leave? Yes. She leaves uh, too. She, but yeah. she leaves, like she literally leaves in the dead of night, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, um, and, and I think, you, you know, the idea is like, oh, how terrible she's not fulfilling her role. But in my head at the same time, she's not fulfilling her role, but like, she's like yeah. doing her thing, you know, whereas, Whereas Allison, the, 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 the main character is, you know, she's kind of, she's pretty constrained by, by all of this stuff and, 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 and has been made by all of them, like by convention, like all of these people are like, this is what you need to do. You need to hire a housekeeper. You need to do this. You need to have this kind of party. You need to wear these clothes. And I feel like we're, we're all of us in our lives in varying degrees involved in versions of that. I'm interestingly just reading a, a novel that's being translated from French by a, a woman who was a lawyer. She comes from a very fancy French family. She's a, a lawyer married with a child. And at some moment, like eight years ago, she she like chucked it all over, including being a lawyer. She's now queer and she cut off all her hair. She got tattoos. And like she she lives on the margins in the tiny studio and, you know, hardly has enough money. And she just all of the things like nice clothes and car, like she just chucked it over. And and I'm so it's so interesting to read that because because you realize, well, wow, that's really courageous, not just not just for herself. Right. But in the eyes of the world. Right. That 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 we're always navigating both our our inner selves and and then the eyes of the world. Like, what would it mean to live in that big house and 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 let the weeds grow up, you know, to six feet, you know, and and the windows get really dirty and never change the laundry, like never wash the laundry. What would that mean? You know, everybody would be whispering. Well, and I I mean I think only certain personality types could handle that. Yeah, you know, like I would not be able to handle that. I, like that would give me so much anxiety to see all that dirt. Like I would be on my, I would just be scrubbing. Totally. Me yeah. too. Me too. And, and, and so, the, the, I mean, but it's, it's a really interesting question. Like would, would your five-year-old self have felt that or were you sort of trained over, like, is that an innate? Oh yeah. Thing? Were you trained over time to be that person? And we don't know. We can't That's find true. out. Actually, I think I was much more comfortable with mess when I was younger <laughs> because I have this distinct memory when I would come in like from Switzerland in the summertime and like throw my towel somewhere. And my mom would say things like, you have to take care of this house. Like you can't just throw your towels everywhere. And I'm like, but it's our house. Like 
why can I not put my towel somewhere? Isn't, don't we live here? Like, what is the, why, why does it have to be so perfect all the time? So, so yeah, maybe I'm going to scratch that and and say, this is something I've created. I've created my own monster. So. (laughs) Or or a series of circumstances, you know, parents, school, college, life. Right. And also like when you have to deal with the mess yourself, it's like, no, it's not nice. I don't like it. But you, I mean, to your point, you are very much judged. Like if somebody were to come over and your house was filthy and unkempt, like that would be a reflection on you. Right. Right. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My house is a total mess. So I, I, it I is like not, that. I'm looking at your room. You're, you seem very, you know, I make a distinction though, like messy and dirty. I'm not dirty. I'm just yeah. messy. Yeah. That's totally different. Totally different. There are piles of books everywhere, but I dust the piles of books. <laughs> but that's great. That's that's just aesthetic. That's an aesthetic choice. <laughs> I'm all for clutter. Mess. Clutter. Yeah. 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 But we're reading, you know. There's that, that I mean, I feel I feel you, I don't know if you cited it before. There's a wonderful line from the writer Rebecca West about a hundred years ago. And she said, A house uncleaned is better than a life unlived. I like that. Yes. Well, you can get caught in the trap of just it's almost like a navel gazing, right? If you're just too much cleaning and yeah. making things perfect, then how do you break out of that and be unpredictable and yeah. anyway, and come out with a novella perhaps. <laughs> Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11, and it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect 
therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moms Don't Have Time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moms Don't Have Time. How can we go back for just two seconds? Like, how did you start, get your start writing? How did you know you wanted to be a writer? You know, I, I think I I always I loved stories as a kid, you know, and I loved being read to. And then when I could read, I was like, oh, my God, I can read. I can just take the stories and run. You know, I can. I was always the kid in the back of the car reading or the kid, you know, who my mother. I remember my mother yelling at me because she thought I was sleeping in and she thought she was being really nice and letting me sleep in. But I'd been awake since six in the morning reading a book in my bed. And, you know, I was that kid. So so when I discovered pretty early that that stories were not like rocks and trees, like the, they hadn't always been there. You know, I, I, that people made them up. I was like, Oh, that's a thing we can do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then the question was always, how do you, you know, how do you find a way to eat and have a roof over your head, you know, and, and, and do that. So, but you know, that, which, which still working on that, you know, but. <laughs> and how did you, like, what was your first break? So I, I I wrote my first novel. I, I I'm an MFA dropout, and I I had started as an undergrad at some stories about a, some characters, and then I was turning that into a novel. I started an MFA, and it it was at Syracuse, and and my now husband was in London, and I was lonely. And back to the you know pre-internet, like it was far and it was hard, and so I I dropped out and went back to London, and and I got a job. You know I feel like this is really this was really the 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 sort of moment of great good fortune is that I, I I got a job working on a newspaper, the Guardian newspaper. I was a sort of junior person on what was called, I don't know if it still exists, the women's page, which which wasn't recipes and knitting. It was, it had been started in the 20s as a sort of feminist thing. And it and it was very interesting. You know, it was interviews with with politicians and and peace activists and you know and also writers. And and the boss was my editor was not that interested herself. And she, so she handed me the writer stuff and it meant that I got to know a bunch of sort of publicists and editors around town because I was, they were sort of pitching to me for pieces in the newspaper. And, and, and when I finished my novel, there were several of them who'd said, can I, I'll have a look, I'll have a look. And so the woman who's still my British editor, who's about my age, liked it well enough to my first novel, well enough to publish it, which was, Wonderful. I always think, you know, at that time, my agent, she and my agent were going out. And I always think that if they, if they hadn't, if they hadn't, if they hadn't been going out, I would never have been published, but you know. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh my gosh. And when you wrote, just cause I have, just cause I remember loving Emperor's Children so much. Tell me about writing that and the process of that book and weaving together all those different, like, how did you go about that? Like what, and, and is your process the same? Does it course through all of the different books? Like where you write, how you write, how you, you know, all of that in terms of process. Sure. So, 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 you know, that book, I had started a novel and I was really kind of struggling with it. And I had, and I had a baby. So in in July of 2001, I had a baby. And then in September of 2001, there was 9-11. And my novel, which was set in New York about young people, was like, wow, I I can't write the novel I thought I was going to write. And I had to, there was was sort of a, I think the better part of a year 
you know, where I didn't know whether I would, whether to write fiction at all. I mean, I also had a little baby. She's now, she's turning 21 next week. So, and I started some things, you know, my husband is usually, he's just like, keep going. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't say at the beginning, that's terrible. Usually, but with the stuff I was starting at that point, he was like, that don't, don't, don't continue with that. Don't, no, 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 not that one. (laughs) So there was sort of like three, three kind of totally abortive attempts and then I went back to these characters and I started again. And I, in a funny way, I, I had more compassion, you know, for them because I felt like history dealt this hideous blow, right? That, that, yeah, maybe they were self-absorbed or, or, or kind of, you know, I don't know, vain in certain ways or whatever, but, but like we're all people and, and, and I didn't need to kind of, I didn't need to be satirical. I mean, I feel there's satirical elements in the novel, but I didn't need to, it, I didn't need to to be satirical, like I had compassion for them. They were totally real to me in light of, you know, I think made more so by the tragedy of the world. And, and the thing I would say about writing it is then I had another child. So I was like, you know, you know how it is. I was like, I don't even remember. I was (laughs) writing little dribs and drabs. The chapters in that novel are really short because that's what I could manage. Like I could manage a short chapter. I could keep my focus on it. You know, before I'd always been somebody who wrote and then I'd go back over it and over it. No, by the time, by the time I finished it, there'd been like 40 drafts of something. No, (laughs) no, this was just like, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. I write by hand. Wow. In, in a notebook. Still? And I, oh yeah, God. still. And I had, I had to, I had to kind of keep, I just had to keep going forward. Right. I couldn't. And that, that was useful because it, it made, because I think with kids, you know, you, you have to do that. You don't have the luxury of time in the same way for a really long time. You don't have the luxury of time in the same way. And maybe in the, in the digital world, we never again have the luxury of time in the way that we did. Don't say that, please. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Right. Like there's so much, we're all bombarded with so much. So, so I feel like it was a good training for me to learn, like you can put, you can just keep going. Like the world doesn't fall apart and it's okay. Doesn't it, it? I feel like the scene that's that I remember the most vividly is this dinner party scene and getting ready for a dinner party. Did I make that up or was that in the beginning of the book? I don't know. I don't I'm gonna have to go back. <laughs> I, I have remember. I have like this whole apartment in my head and like a couple and this whole pre-dinner party preparation. But it could it could be it's not it's gonna go. that it becomes immediately. I feel like I'm I, I'm trying to think if that would be the. I don't know. The Maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm going to go back and look. I don't know. I shouldn't even have said anything out loud. I was no, like, it, it could well be. I, I, you know, I have the memory of a sieve. It's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Thanks for going easy on me. Okay. What, is, what project is next for you? And then I'll let you go. Uh, well, thank you for asking. Yeah, I am. I am. I am in the middle of a, a novel that, that is sort of based on, I've never written anything autobiographical before and it's not autobiographical in the sense of being about me but but it's a novel that sort of uh, that takes the trajectory of my father's life and, and and you know it's fiction stuff is made up but but his life was odd you know in the way I think of many 20th century lives so so you know the 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 world he was born into he he was his family my father's family was Pienwell they were French colonials in Algeria mm-hmm. and of course he was born in 1932 one and then there was the war and and then after that there was the war of Algerian independence and by 1962 Algeria was independent as 
absolutely should have happened. And But what it meant was that a lot of people were displaced and had what they thought of as home no longer existed. You know, the, the world that they thought of as home was a vanished world, which happened to so, so many people in more dramatic circumstances, of course, in the 20th century. But but this gave me a sort of almost coat hanger or a sort of frame on which to on which to kind of build a story or shape a story. Because, you know, of course, here I am, I'm an American person, you know, and in my frame of reference for everything is so far. And yeah. and he he traveled, you know, he 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 traveled from that world to, you know, he died in Stanford, Connecticut, you know. So it was a, a a long journey. And and as he was near death, he was not religious, but his sister was my aunt was very religious and she wanted somebody to come and give him the last rites. And he said to me, Is there somebody who could do it in French? because the last time he had any religious involvement, it was when he was young and, and French. And I said, I don't, I don't think so, daddy. I don't think I can find somebody, but so, you know, it's just that arc is, but I think it's so is to me, it feels so, so common of this era. We all move around, you know? Wow. That sounds amazing. Thank you, Claire. I want to post a picture. I think of us wearing our our identical glasses, glasses. Yeah, right? I feel like we should be on the Caddis website or something as sponsors. But anyway, it was lovely chatting with you. Thank you so Thanks much. And uh, with you. thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, have a great day. Care you too. Okay. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.